In this episode of the Rita Springer podcast, you're going to hear from my new friend, Jay Burrow, who was able to escape extreme poverty as a child through the support of Compassion International. Compassion's been around for decades and the work they're doing in over 30 countries is truly making a difference in millions. I mean, literally millions of children's lives. Jay's story is one of those testimonies. I encourage you to visit compassion.com slash Rita to explore ways that you too can help and get involved to release kids out of poverty. Again, that's compassion.com slash Rita. Hey, everybody, this is Rita Springer. Welcome again to the Rita Springer podcast. I am so excited. I love testimony. I love story time. I love somebody coming in and telling the transformation of what God's done through other people in their life. And uh, this podcast is going to be really special because I have with me Jay, who um, grew up in a part of Kenya. He's going to tell us his story. He's with Compassion International, which is a organization that I'm partnering with to get the word out for people to become involved in what they're doing um, rescuing children from uh, deprivation and starvation. And so, Jay, I'm going to screw up your last name if I say it. So what, <laughs> it's, is it Mimbero? You're close, but the M is silent. Don't, oh, so don't, it's just Biro. There you go, yeah. Jay Biro. You got it. And you yeah. actually spell your name J-E-Y. Yeah, and actually Jay, at the moment, is not my official name. I'm hoping I can make it, but now it's not. That's, uh, I used to be a DJ. Yes. So that used to be my DJ name. Oh, well then what's your true African name? Biro. Biro. Biro, Biro is my name, but the first name Jay is the, what, what was my DJ name. Okay, so what's your last name? Like what's your full African name? David Biro. I, African name is just uh, um, Biro. It's first Biro. name David, second name uh, Biro. I only have two names. You only have two names. And that's because in, in Kenya, how we name, uh, how we get our names is that uh, the first name is a Christian name and then the oh. middle name should be your uh, surname and then the last name is a family name. Oh, interesting. So what does Biro mean? Because you guys always have these beautiful meanings. It has two meanings. Okay. It has two meanings. So there is a, it actually means like soot, like very, when you, when you cook with uh, wood, the dark stuff, that's called Biro. That's one of it. The other meaning is that uh, there is a fruit that is called biro. Yeah. And it's a very sweet fruit. So I believe the second one makes more sense more than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be charred fruit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or smoked fruit. That's awesome. There you go. I know my yeah. my son's origin is Zimbabwe. And so okay. his birth mother gave him a Shona name, which is their language. And the Shona name is Anasu, which ah. is God with us, um, like a nice. like Emmanuel. So I always love that. I love his his African name. Well, tell I want to know your story. Like, tell us from beginning to end what what your life was like and how you got in the program. And, and yeah, just tell us the story. Well, it's a it's a long story, but I will try and shorten it and say and see what we can we can come up with for today. But uh, in a nutshell. Uh, I was born in a very poor community in Matare. Matare is a is a slum in Kenya, and oh. it's one of the largest slums that we have. Oh. So there's a slum in South Africa called Soweto, and then uh, when you come to Kenya, there's another one called Kibera, and then from Kibera there's Matare. Wow. Apparently, I hear now 
the one in South Africa is not as large as the ones in Kenya. So definitely from one of the largest uh, slums in the world. Typically, life in Mathare, and I think that's a, a good place to start to begin, is that uh, the kids that are born in, in, in most of those communities, they are first of all born in, with parents. For the most part, it's just single parents. Like, I didn't even know my dad until I was 21. Wow. And so it's growing up with... And actually, I knew this guy. I didn't know he was my dad until I was 21. That was, that's when they revealed to me, oh, oh, that's your dad. And that's typical in my community. Most of the kids are... In the same family, they have kids that have different dads. So that, that's very common in, in my community. Like I, I share, I only share mom, my mom with my brothers, but they have their own uh, fathers. Father. Wow. That's very common uh, in my community. And so you're born into this community where, you know, you probably most likely have one, one parent, which is most likely mom. Some dads are left with kids, but most of the part is the, is the mom. Your mom didn't go to, jo- to, to, work, to school. So she doesn't have a decent job. And so they start looking for, you know, just easy jobs to try and, and feed the family. Uh, the most common thing that my my community people used to do is to sell liquor, which is called Chang'a. It's very little. It's equivalent to moonshine. Okay. So that's what uh, she was selling to try and take care of the family. Now, it was, it's, it, it was and it's still illegal. And that means they have to sell it while not, like when the cops comes and they arrest them, you're in trouble. So you kind of, you're selling, but you're on the lookout. Uh, somebody's out there on the lookout, like, hey, cops can be coming. But these guys come, people would come in the house that we're staying. And that's where they will come and, and sit and just be served just like a normal bar, but it's just in the house. And so we are living in the same house where they're selling. You can imagine the kind of people who are coming, drunkard, people who are smoking. And that's a wow. lifestyle that I grew up seeing. And so you find like you don't even have any hope or expectation of what you can be or what you can, like there's nothing that you can see beyond that. Again, there are no role models. There's nobody to look up to like, hey, I can be like this particular person. There's nothing like that. So most part, the best thing you could do is to become a thief as a boy. And that's what was expected. And girls, you become a prostitute. That was the easiest thing. Or you start selling liquor or you start selling drugs and such things. So... Wow. Yeah, so that's the environment that I was born in. And uh, that means when my mom didn't sell, uh, we didn't have anything to eat. And that happened more often because maybe there were cops that came and picked up everything. Again, if the cops comes, if they if the cops knows your house and they know you sell, that means they'll be coming there regularly. Now, if your clientele knows that cops know your house, they're not going to come. And that affects your business. Okay. And so that happened more often and it became so hard for my mom to take care of us, you know, giving us basic needs that people would want, like, you know, food, clothing and shelter. And for me, food was a big deal, you know, uh, and it's a big deal to everybody. I mean, yeah. food, we all need yeah, food of course, to survive, of course. Uh, especially as a kid who, you know, you're just there, just trying to be a kid, go play, do everything that you can. But then you're coming home to expecting to find something, but boom, you get into the house and you immediately know there's nothing that was cooked. Now, we used to live in a very tiny house. It's like a 10 by 10. Yeah. If nothing was cooked, you didn't even have to be told. I mean, you walk into the room, you can clearly see there's nothing. We actually used to say like the room would be warm when something was cooked because we used to, uh, we were using wood and, and charcoal to cook. So if they, they cooked anything, you'd smell and you'd feel the warmth in the house. Mm-hmm. But then you step into that cold room and you can already see the faces of the, my mom. You know, there's nothing. 
And so we'd have to go to bed hungry a lot. It happens many times going to bed hungry. Your mom telling, hey, today we don't have anything. Sometimes they didn't even have to say anything. You just walk in, you see, and you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you go to bed. And uh, the hard part is that uh, next, door, next door neighbors, they most, the walls are made out of dirt. Because how we make the, the houses, Yeah. We, we dig on the ground, we take the, the soil, we add water, and we make mud. And then that, that's, that's a wall. And it's not like well sealed. So you can yeah. hear everything that's going on. So sleeping hungry and you can hear or smell your next door neighbor cooking. And you're a little kid, you're wondering what's going on. And so that wow. that became part of the challenges that we're going through. And uh, I, I I had an older brother who, you know, he gave up and started becoming a thief and he started stealing. I didn't want to become a thief. Uh, Rita, how they deal with thieves in my community is that uh, when you're stealing, they get a hold of you and they beat you with uh, stones, any objects, anything that they can get. And once you're down and you're weak, they put a, a tire around your neck and they burn you to death. Or the cops can come and shoot you. Like they had, and cops had an order of shoot to kill. Like when somebody snatches and they're running away, you, you shoot them. So there's the mob justice and there's the cops. And in spite of all that danger, you're like, you know what? I, I just need to survive. So my brother started stealing and we all knew about it. So the tricky part would be we are hungry. My brother has money. But my mom cannot take his money because it was stolen money. And she was like, you know what? I'd rather we go to bed hungry. And that's something that even right now, I really I thank God for that. So my mom and I, uh, we started going to the streets. My mom, at this point, she had uh, bought some two little uh, kids. They were twins. So we would go to the streets, all of us. So my mom would be stationed in one place and then I would be walking around. But I was going to the streets to beg. So I became a street a street boy. So I'd beg if I found anything, I'd bring it to mom, and then mom would go home early and feed the family with whatever I was able to get, and if she got something as well. But at the same time, it became so hard for her to be going to the streets all the time. So I wow. I became the only one who was going to the streets to to beg and bring money home. And how old are you, Jay, at this time? Like, what's your age? You're talking seven, eight years old. Wow. And at that age, it's actually should be the easiest to get the money because if you're slightly older, people are like, nah, you, you can walk. So it's easier for younger kids to go and beg because somebody can be like, oh man, this is just a little kid and I can give them. So yeah. And and before we actually, we had we had gone to the streets, my mom had attempted suicide. After uh, she felt like everything wasn't working, she had attempted suicide and thank God she never died. So we started living with my grandmother. Even my mom, we all went to my grandmother. It so happened we were not the only ones there. My cousins were coming there. Like whenever their families were not working, they would come to my grandmother who, she was not a, well, a rich woman. She just had small business that of selling food. And this is still all in the slums? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But begging would go to the, to the, to the capital city. That's Nairobi. That's where you go to, the, to beg. Okay. Yeah. So it so happened that everybody that was on my, in my grandmother's house were waiting for me to go to the streets and beg because I was a bold wow. one. The other ones were not bold enough. They were afraid of what could happen. I would go beg and bring money home and they would feed. And so the problem was when I didn't get anything and they would go to bed hungry. And I felt like it was my responsibility that yeah. I didn't get anything. And especially at that age, I started feeling the pressure. And this is, this is some of the things that lead some kids to stupid still. Is because you you feel desperate, you feel pressured, you feel like you need to survive. And then there are other kids who are already stealing and they're trying to encourage you, man, 
don't have to suffer. You go, let's go snatch something. And ha- we would just wait for somebody with something valuable. Usually like a purse, like just anything that is valuable that is easily snatchable and something that we can run with. So it wasn't like a big deal. Yeah. But those, those small things that we we're trying to steal could lead us to death. It did. A lot of people died in the streets. But even with the danger, we still started stealing. And uh, most of my friends who... Even actually the the guy who introduced me to stealing, he's a guy who was to be my classmate. He, he was my classmate. And he's the one who introduced me to stealing. He was a very, very fast runner. In fact, you know Kenya is very good with running. Yes. He had been given an, an offer. He could have worked for the army because he was very fast. They actually, they gave him that option, but he, did, he didn't want to take that option for whatever reasons. So he introduced me to stealing and uh, he didn't make it. He was killed. Oh. But for me... I was arrested at the age of nine. You can't go too far when you're doing that in Kenya. Wow. And that for me was the darkest moment when one day I was I snatched something and then I was arrested and I went to, to jail. And then eventually I went to prison for some time. And that happens a lot to a lot of children in, 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 in that country. Some of them, they're they are, they are because they're, most of them is because they're in need. They don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know how to, to survive. And there are no better options. There are no role models in our community. And so yeah, I found myself in, in, in prison at, at that uh, young age. And it was the darkest moment for me, you know. And funny enough, there were other kids who were there that were younger than me. Yeah. What, so where that, do you, in Nairobi, where do you put a nine-year-old in prison? There's actually a place called Kabete. They had a... So here's what they do. Between the, this particular jail... Prison was for kids between as young as you can be up to 19 years old. So oh they were all gosh. in one particular place. And so, but in there, they divide the dormitories according to the age. So there's an age, age gap that they put yeah. in. So they, they, I think 18, 19s, they're probably in one room. I don't remember how they do yeah. all that, but I knew I didn't go to the 19 year old because I was not there. But yeah, so that's what happened. And when you're there, you're meeting other children. Some of them, they've been there in and out. Like some of them, they actually can tell you how the process goes. They've done this for a long time. And to them, it's like they have already accepted but this is their life. Yeah. Like wow. they, they go outside. They're like, oh man, I hope this time it's not going to be, I'm not going to come back soon. I hope I'm going to stay there even longer. So they do that. They go and then something happens. They come back. And for me, I was like, no, this is not what I want. I saw a lot of diseases in that place because nobody was taking care of us. Uh, no proper food, no proper sanitary sanitization. And there was actually one, one guy that died. Uh, he was very sick. And I don't know what, how or what was he ailing from. But at some point, we never saw him again. And we were told that, that uh, he didn't make it. And so wow. those, that's the environment that I was in. And for me, I was like, I really need to get out of here. So the best thing that I, I could do, because, you know, that the option was you pay yourself out. You'd bribe, basically. It's not like legal way. Wow. It's so easy. It is, I, I don't know so much about now, but I know at that time it was so easy. If you had some money, you give even to the guard or somebody there, then they would just uh, let you go. But then we didn't have the money. That's why I was begging in the first place. So, and for me, that's when I, I had to, to start praying. Huh. I was not a believer. I I had seen and heard a lot of preachers in the streets of Nairobi preaching. Now in Kenya, preaching is they actually say like more than eighty percent of Kenyans are Christians. So you'd hear preachers in the streets of Nairobi all okay, over. Okay, okay. 
and for me it's just hearing somebody preaching over and over again and I'm like okay I guess I don't have any other alternative so that's when I knelt knelt down and I prayed to God and asking for two things to take me out of prison but also to take me out of poverty and wow. he did it wasn't immediately but one time I was sitting down with one of the counselors and they were trying to listen to me and they because I, I was I was going to school on and off and I really wanted to go to school and I I think I was a bright student. <laughs> I was yeah. uh, I was doing okay, but because of going to streets and not going to school uh, consistently, of course that affected. But they could tell like this is a guy who can do well in school. And the idea was for them to take me to a prison which is a school because they thought this guy can go to school. Why don't we just take him to that prison which is a school? But I didn't want to go to there to that because most of the time it doesn't go well for people who go there. So, of course those are stories that I had had uh, in there because you, you hear all these people saying stuff. So I actually remember seeing that her it was a lady. I remember seeing her writing down back to school. That was like the recommendation that she gave. You know, uh before you go to court, I think they bring those to kind of try and evaluate and help the judge on how to decide on this particular person. Yes, okay. And since I saw her writing back to back to school, I went to I went to when I went to court, I really cried. I actually made a scene right there because I knew the decision was too either they take me to their prison where i can go to school for years which i didn't want because it was eventually prison or they would release me to go back to my other school so i didn't know if the second option was viable but i actually told the judge please let me go to my school like i i made a scene a scene right there but this judge knew who i was he used to come to where we used to beg uh, he actually used to be crippled uh, and he, he would come as kids would see him and make fun of him and run we didn't know what he was doing apparently he would come where we were begging and he was just coming to look at our faces he had a very sharp memory and so when wow. you go to his courtroom you can't lie to him he knows you he knows even where you what streets you normally normally are wow and so he he told me you know i know i've seen you not more than i've seen you more than once and i know where you normally are have you seen me i'm like yeah so he told me i'm going to let you go on one condition if i come to that place and i see you again that's it for you So he kind of wow. gave me a warning and we all knew that we were like surprised like this guy can remember. So anyway, he let me go on that condition and I promise you I I left that place and I never wanted to go back. Yeah. And so I was free. I was free from this particular place that I didn't even know what how it was going to end and God did it and he, he, he released me. But then I went back to the same community, same family, same nothing had changed. Problem. And so yeah. you're thinking what's going to be next? How do I not go back to the streets? There was, there was no steps of how not to go back to the street yeah. because they just let you go but that, nothing else they can do and this is where now compassion came came through for me yeah because it, it was at this particular uh, place where i could have gone either way could have been worse and become like the worst of the worst and start stealing and you know that became my life but then when compassion came in it was just at the right time Now one of the reason why I wasn't going to school is because I could not afford the tuition fee. We had to pay the tuition fee. You need textbooks, you need school uniform, you need food in the house. And so and that's most of what compassion provides. And so right. they were up with local churches. There's a church in my community that uh it's, it's called Redeemed Gospel Church. It's still there till now. And so we used to see, you know, guys from the US coming and you know going there and we'd see kids there happy and it is one of those places where you'd want to be but it wasn't easy to be part of it and so one day my grandmother actually took me to school after i came from jail and even though she didn't have the money she was like you know what we are going 
She's like, I'm going to talk to the, st- to the teachers and they're going to lie. I'm like, we don't have money. She's like, let's go. She actually managed to convince them to let me be in school. As she looks for money, I don't know where she's going to get the money <laughs> because I knew she didn't have a job, but it was just an act of faith. Wow. But at that time, compassion was coming around and they were looking for, they were looking for pe- people who want to be in school, but they can't be in school. And so, yeah, I was enrolled into the program and I started going to compassion program and that's how my compassion journey began. Wow. So yeah. when you're, um, when this particular church in your community, um, uh-huh. just for kids to get in the program, they, you had uh-huh. to actually have a list of things that the family had to have in order to get into the program. And compassion came into the church later, you're saying, and then was sponsoring children within the needs of that church. Is that, is, is that what I'm hearing you say? You don't say your needs. Uh, basically, compassion comes in and look for kids that you know that are needy, and how they did. They do it differently in every in every yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. So they came and spoke to the teachers, and they were like, "Because the teachers know about all the students." So they're like, "Which among these students that you think are extremely uh, needy? Yeah. All of them are needy. All of them are needy. But which are the most needy in this in this? And they know when you go for lunch because you go home for lunch, go home." But then there's nothing. You'd come home. You can tell somebody who didn't have anything. You see their school uniform is torn and like the, the shoes and all that. You don't have. Right, so right. they can clearly tell. They can and they've tell. seen that for some time. So that's how they, they were able to identify this and this can be a candidate. But that was not enough. They would come and ask you, do you have both parents? Are your parents working? Like, where do you live? So just kind of interrogate and make sure that we're actually getting people who are in, uh, who are in need for sure. So yeah, they did it. And uh, I was happy to be one of the most neediest at that particular time because yeah. that's why I got in. So when you get in, do you have an understanding? What are you now, 10 years old? Do you have an understanding of what they're going to provide for you? No, for me, I think it's just that the fact that I knew that I could go someplace where they have food, they have kids playing and becoming normal kids. And that's all I wanted. That's all you cared there. about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we... We joined the program and we things started making sense for me. And, you know, I, I didn't go to the streets anymore. And, yeah, so things started, uh, my life began uh, that way. And how long, you were on the program for a long time, correct? For compassion program? Yeah. I, went, I was in the program for, until I graduated. I didn't really graduate, graduate, because I, I, I left after, after high school. Because what happens when you join the program, you're in the program all the way until uh, after high school. After high school, then you graduate. So, but again, when you join the program, the next thing is you get sponsors. You look, they look for sponsors. So they make a packet, a packet for yep. you uh, with your information. And I don't know if, you, if you've seen those packets of oh, compassion. Yeah. Where they, yeah, yeah. 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 So they make a packet and then ideally is to try and look for somebody to be a sponsor. And so, yeah, so, but I waited for, I was one of those kids who waited for a long time before I got sponsored. So we'd go to the Compassion Center every Saturday. Yeah. So Monday through Friday, you're going to school. And then Saturday, you're going to the Compassion Center. So when you go to the center, you play, you eat, you do all those things. But towards the end of the day, they bring us all in one room. And the idea is to try and, and read out the names of the kids that have been sponsored. So if you hear your name, you know you've been, you know, you wow. have a sponsor. It used to be a very tense moment that we all enjoyed and wanted to be part of. We all wanted to hear that, you know, our names have been called. Yes. And 
I apparently was one of those who waited for a long time. Wow. Do you remember how long it was a wait for you? I, I can't tell you exactly how long, but I knew it was many Saturdays because it was to be every Saturdays. But we, we actually, let me see if I can. We, this is how we used to do it when we were hoping that we, we were going to be, that our names are going to be called. Yeah. Cross our fingers. Oh gosh, you crossed all your fingers. Yeah, you cross them and hide them and hoping that today's going to be the day. But you don't want you don't want people to see that you're crossing your fingers. Yeah. And so you know we did that at some point. You're like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And some other kids would get picked. Some new ones would be picked. I don't know. You know they were looking for the cute ones, and apparently I don't think I was one of those. Oh gosh. So I I waited, but you know one day uh, you know. My name was called. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a family from California picked up my packet and they sponsored me. And that changed a lot. Yeah. Tell me about that process because I've been on the side of, of choosing the child and then having the child choose you. And so I understand that process being being a sponsor for years, but it's really unique to hear the child's version of you know, how they got sponsored and how that went for them. Like, tell me about that experience with your um, California sponsors. Well, when, of course, after the waiting and after you hear your, your name being called, it's like, you know, you you automatically have a, a family. You have, you know, we being that you're born in this community where really it's like you're in your own world and you don't even think, that anybody would care about you from anywhere else. Yeah. So the moment somebody selects you and they want to be, they want you basically, mentally that's a very uh, good thing that it makes you being excited and start being hopeful uh, that, you know, there's, there's, after all, there's something out there. But then the process goes on because you have to write letters back and forth. So you communicate, you write letters, they write back, they send you pictures. Okay, at the time it wasn't as... as the technology was not as it is right now. So it would take a little bit longer than, you know, a few months. Right now, I know it can take even less than a week or two days. But at that time, it would take like, you know, a few months. But then you'd wait. So the, the funny thing was sometimes they would send you a picture of their winter. By the time you're getting the picture, it's probably summer already here. So it used to be like that. But of course, I didn't even know about the season. So I, I, I was like, yeah. okay, maybe this... Oh, right now it's cold for you. And then I'm writing back and telling them about how their place looks. But then they're like, by the time they're getting it, it's, it's probably summer. But just the process of going back and forth and hearing about another world of how people are doing in this side and, and just knowing that, you know what, there's more to life than what I see. And so when you become a sponsor, it's like you're, you're, an, you're opening door to these children. You're opening door to another world of possibilities because they are, we are tied in this world of, Poverty, we think nothing can happen, nothing good can, there's no more, there's nothing to do apart from what I see. But then you become a sponsor, you become like a door to the world of possibilities. And that's why I tell people it's very good for you to write, it's very important for you to write letters. And I know some yeah. people, that becomes a challenge, but writing yeah. letters, is like you're just trying to, to feed the mind because just, you know, poverty, I normally say is a state of mind. And yeah. you might take me from Masare and bring me to the U.S., but if I still have the same mentality, I'm going to look for a place that I'm going to be hiding myself. Right. But then if you open up my mind, even if I'm still in the same community, I'm going to see the world as it is rather than seeing the world that is just around me. And so a sponsor, uh, no pressure, but being a sponsor, it's like God is going to use you as a doorway 
to 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 these children to see the world in a whole different way and so for me that that was it for me and uh, of course not the spo- it's not the responsibility of the sponsor alone we have local teachers who are teaching us we have guests who come and teachers and so like you all of you guys are like doors opening to us and showing us oh this is what that can happen this we have a bigger god you know yeah. so yeah, that that process is is very very important well and you were probably in the in the program like you're saying where where mail took so long to get to you that it wasn't an email sent you probably did you get actual real pictures of your sponsored family yeah they when send they, real they, pictures like printed pictures yeah yeah you get handwritten uh letters you get uh cards yeah like it was like you know like somebody just sending you a card from here and you yeah. know i know right now they can be you know there is a way they are all one one piece but yeah so you'd get an actual picture and you would actually pile them up they were very special to us would pile yeah. them up and and keep them in a special place all those letters and pictures that you you get from your sponsor you put them in a very special place apparently mine our house burned and i lost everything and that, oh, that's the treasure that that i lost yeah so i don't have anything but i have i have the memory that I, that that stuck in my mind now let me ask you too about like your family so you're in this program did compassion help sponsor your siblings in the house as well how does that affect your family yeah so compassion is uh, the main focus is a uh, is a child focused and uh Christ centered Christ centered so we don't compassion does not uh, take care of the whole family and I'll explain uh, why because most of these communities you're talking about millions of kids in one community that's yeah. just one slum how many slums compassion is like 25 by here now we are going to be in like 28 countries so if you do that that's that's going to be a lot and so what they do just to try and help is that you know there's so many organizations out there And yeah. you know it's like compassion does their part another organization does their part is all of us being the body of Christ doing something to help alleviate poverty and so they try and pick one child per family at least the families that they can be able to get at least one per family what how that helps is that if my mom was going to take care of four children they don't have to take care of four they can take care of three and so with that you've eased the burden and there's some gifts that they, they come to me and some of them like school uniform we get school uniforms like a lot and i don't have to use them all like my older ones is still i mean we we are close until we don't have we can't so I'd pass that, those ones to my brothers uh sometimes we'd get some dry food so there are some benefits that trickles down to the other ch- to other children but uh, let's say we get a mattress or we get a blanket we can all use but the main focus is to help this particular child because sometimes uh we may want to help but then you drop something small in a big ocean it's not going to show anything i'd rather you yeah. you just isolate one and help that particular one and at this point i'm able to help my family i'm 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 in a place where boy okay now i can at least do the best that i can to help my family but if we were trying to help all of us probably would have moved one step but not a good step to be able to be stable got it got it did you have any other siblings that were also sponsored no or were you the I, only one out of your family I was the lucky one. I was the only lucky one in the family. Now, when you like did you stay in that school? Was that school all the way through high school? No, that was uh in Kenya we call primary school. I think it's like elementary here. 
So you go from, we call them standard. So what you guys call grade call standard. So we go from standard one to standard eight. Okay. Uh, that That's, uh yeah, that's like, and then from there you go to high school. High school, four years. So the high school is a different, uh, totally different schools. There are some schools that have both, uh, you can go from first grade to all the way. Some some schools have all together. But yeah. in Kenya, most of them is just, you know, you go to first grade to eighth grade and then you go to high school. And going to college is the biggest challenge because we don't have so many colleges just like, especially then. Then they were like very, very minimal. So for you to go to college, you actually have to pass this exam that you have to do. And you have to be the very best of the best because there are very few colleges and there are very many students. So like they pick the very best. So most of us were like, well, I don't think we're going to see university. (laughs) Yeah, so I wasn't able to go to college. Wow. But uh, what happened is that, uh, you know, after you finish uh, high school, there are some opportunities out there. You can do mechanical engineering. You can do all these things that you can pick up. Those those are available to the majority. But as far as going to college, it was a chosen few. So when you like get sponsored, you get, you're in the school, you're still in the world of the slums, but you're going to this school. You're being sponsored by Compassion how does it change what you want to be when you grow up? Like before that, were you like, did you, did you, how do you dream as a seven to nine year old that's going to end up in jail from stealing and then getting in a program? Did it change your phase of dreaming and expectation for the plans for your future? Oh, totally. It changed a hundred percent. And here's, here's how I can answer that question. Uh, After the program was trying to, figure out what are the things that I came out of the program with. Now, apart from food, because I love food, <laughs> and we got we had a lot of that. And the funny thing is, like, uh, just a side note, when, when I came to the U.S. the first time, I actually came here to Texas, and uh, somebody took me to a Golden Corral, and you can imagine how much food <laughs> there is. <laughs> and yes, I'm coming from yes. poverty to all this food that you can eat everything, like yeah. all this meat, chicken, all this, and ice cream, and... They could have, they could have killed me right there. <laughs> I've wow. never seen that. But wow. uh, anyway, apart from the food, apart from the shoes and the clothes, you know, there are these things that we get, but they all come to an end. Like you need another shoe, you need another clothes. Uh, but there are yeah. three things I, I normally narrow down to three. And one of them is education. You'd see, I didn't go to college. We never used to speak English as a first language. So I even have to, had to go to school to even learn English. And they make sure that each and every child that is in the program, they go to school, they get their tuition fee, they get everything that they need. And so as far as education, they give us what we need. That's the first thing. The second thing is love, which is very important because during uh, letter writing from my sponsor, when they write back and forth, they were the first people to tell me that they loved me. I'm coming from a community where we don't tell each other that we love each other. Do we love each other? Yes, we do. But we tell each other no. And we didn't even know the power of actually somebody verbalizing and telling you, hey, I love you. And you're very specially important. We never used to tell each other those words. Wow. And so hearing that from my sponsor made me to be who I am because it's like, you're actually giving me the confidence that I need. You're actually trying to feed my mind with positivity that can start making me think I'm actually important. I'm actually special because we never thought we were. We would go to other communities where kids are who came from other better families, you'd think they deserve the better opportunities than I do. So if there was an opportunity that was, oh, this thing is going to go, I'm like, I don't think I deserve that. I would actually 
not expect to get that because I'm like, I think the other kids are more special than I am. But then having our sponsors and having our teachers and having being in the program where you're being told how special you are and how, how you're loved, it makes you to be who you are and it gives the confidence that you need in life. That is uh, the second thing that I got from there. And the third basically is the word of God. Being in the program, compassion, they don't shy about releasing kids from poverty in Jesus' name. And that in Jesus' name is not there just by design because they, that's where they partner with local churches. That means we go to the church, we get to hear the word of God, we get to be preached. Some people give their lives while they are there. Like that's where I, I was able to hear about God more and more and more. And we build each other out of that. And so hearing the word of God, it's, it's giving you, a, uh, I don't want to say the tool, but it's giving you something that when you're all by yourself, you have a place to go and say, you know what, let me hear about the word of God. Yeah. Something is happening. What does God say about that? And that is that is something that you can never take away from anybody. You know? I mean, yeah. Give me everything else, but you gave me the word of God, you gave me Jesus, that you gave me everything. You know? Yeah. And for me that has sustained me a lot and it transferred and transformed me from the kid that I was who didn't who was hopeless, who didn't even know what I was gonna be in life, from thinking that I'm gonna end up being a thief, from thinking that there's nothing that can happen in, in this world. To me now standing here and thinking, you know what? The world is open for me. There's nothing yeah. that I cannot do. You know, I'm a father now. Being that I'm a father, that's something that I didn't even expect. And guess what? If I wasn't rescued from poverty, my kids would be born in poverty. Yeah. And most of the people don't realize that you rescued one, but that one came with two, three, four who are out of poverty at the same yeah. time. And so for me, it was it was really a big deal and it really made everything possible for me. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's interesting from the from the sponsor side that what we don't realize in in the sponsoring is the valid, true connection that that sponsoring a child like you actually does. Like it, you know, we're, we're living in our own bubble in our own world. We have no idea the the depravity and the the a kind of poverty. But you know, I used to grow up watching these, we call them infomercials, you know, with, with African children living in poverty. And you, you'd watch this stuff on TV. And until you, until I actually was like, no, I think I need to be a part of something like this and started sponsoring a child. And then I, I, I flew into Africa and went to see where they were building wells and went to see where they were building things and, and became like involved in the reality of it. Yeah. You, you don't, uh, you just hearing somebody's story, like from your perspective, where you're like, yeah, getting the, the pictures from your sponsors, like for you, the connection is such a massive connection um, because there's nothing in that's, that's the same in those two worlds. Yeah. Like the, the world of the slums and the world of a family in California, yeah. you know, I mean, we all go through hardship, right? But there's a very different world from from a storyline like that than a storyline from from a kid even in poverty in California. So, and not that I'm comparing it, I just think the power of the power of humanity, yeah, and the power of somebody making a choice to say, "I'm going to believe in somebody else," right. and I'm going to put an effort to believe in somebody else's future. I, I think it's the thing that I can't, it's not lost on me. Right. The, I think it's why I adopted um, as a single parent, you right. know, and I mean, my son was full-blooded, 
Zimbabwean born in the States, but his parents were deported. Mm -hmm. His birth parents were deported back and, and the birth mother didn't want to send him back because of the war going on and all of those things. And to have a yes, be a yes that change, changes a life. And, and yeah, you're right. Like you're now you're, you know, years and years later out of the program, but you're fathering and your kids are not living in the slums. Yeah. Because of somebody's decision to sponsor a kid. You know, I just, I think that's just brilliant. I just think it's, it's hard for me to, it's, it's a hard concept that it would be hard to convince somebody not to do this, Yeah, not to just reach out and sponsor a kid because of the life changing opportunity. You know, every child that I sponsored, I felt like every month it was, it was like a, it was the biggest gift to send money out, you know, because it was a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot of money. It was a little yeah. bit of money, but it, it felt like I had the Lord on my side every time I did it, you know? Yeah. So I just, I think it's quite beautiful that, uh, are you still, cause you're still um, a, kind of a spokesperson for this organization right. that led you out of poverty yeah. into dreaming and, and capacity and having a life that you could never have thought possible yeah. if your fingers hadn't been crossed and your name hadn't been called, which is just so powerful. It is powerful. It's so great. And I, I want to reiterate something that you said about humanity, how we have the power. You know, when God said that we have been given dominion, that means we dominate this world. Yeah. And yeah. God has given us this world to take care of. And Take care of it is taking care of the poor, taking care of, of each other. And I personally believe, you know, some of the problems are obviously they're man-made. We make rules, yeah. we make things that affect people. Some, it affects them positively, some it affects them negatively. And all these things are, most of them are man-made. And somehow we still make rules that help others and, and they don't help others. I personally believe that the I actually go with this quote that it is the responsibility of each generation to take care of its own generation. So we are yeah. going to be questioned for uh, the generation that we are living in. What did we do while we were alive? God gave us yeah. gifts. Bible talks about the gifts and talents. And most of us have been given gifts and talents. And if you have gifts, some of them can be monetary. Some of them can be talent that you can actually share with somebody else. What did you do with it? And you know, when, when in that parable, when, when, uh, when that... Uh, uh, he was the owner who gave, uh, he was the boss, right? He gave the, the his son, yes, yes. like the gifts. And the one who had uh, one did not use it. He went and hid it. The one who had two worked for it and he, he doubled it. The one who had five worked and doubled it. And But when you listen to what the Bible says about the two, the one who had two and the one who had five, they were both given the same, same reward. They said, welcome, good and faithful servant. Yeah. And so, if it doesn't matter what you've been given. Some of us may feel like they've been given very little. It doesn't matter what God has given you. Use that. Double that. If you're in a position where you can, God can use you to save one kid from poverty, don't hesitate. Just go for it. Because if you don't do it, it's going to happen like what happened to the one who had one. It's going to be taken from you and it's going to be given to the one that are using it. And so God has given us all yeah. these uh, talents, all these gifts. It would be so fulfilling, I would assume for anybody, that at some point in life, we'd be like, you know what? Throughout my life, I've impacted so and so. I've impacted numbers of life. And 
definitely compassion is one of the easiest thing because compassion has really made it easier for everybody. You pick a person yeah. and everything like you know you're working with these people who have already uh, figured out how you can help one particular kid and really it's going to be you that God is going to use and so we have the responsibility to take care of our generation. That's really really good. I I I want to um I want to read some stats too. I I it says that they they are now serving um a little over 2.2 million children there is 1.5 million medical services provided they've got over 7.6 hygiene kits that they get i mean it's really quite the numbers yeah. are 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 beautiful numbers to 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 just see what they're doing and it, it's they said that the the kids that are sp- sponsored through that program are 40% more likely to finish school than other kids which is which in that demographic that you're talking about in in the slums and places like that mm-hmm. that's just almost unheard of yeah so it's it's really man thank god for organizations like compassion that that believe in what they're doing and and have the testimonies to back it up you know how the bible talks about the word of their testimony yeah. like a testimony is so powerful right. when um god gives us a storyline and then he gets to kind of finish that storyline. How did you get from Nairobi into the States? Like, you know, now you're like living, you're actually living in the States. Yeah. And uh, is your family, some of your family still there? Yeah, actually, I think I'm, uh, I'm the first one in my family to ever even be on the plane. So that was like another wow. milestone. Uh, but how I came here is that, uh, like I said, my first name uh, being Jay, which is not my official name. Yeah. I used to be a DJ. And so I DJed for a very popular band in Kenya. And so we did yeah. a lot of events there. And then I came here to the US and it, we did a tour with them for six months. And then I went back wow. home. And then later on, I was able to, uh, I, I, I got a green card. And then when I got a green card, yeah. I was able to come and now live, uh, live here in the US. And I did the same. I wow. did music around there, and I, even right now I'm actually doing some music stuff. I do events in Atlanta. I that's why I used to be so. I've been doing events there for Africans. And what I do is to, I believe, uh, for us to end poverty, it doesn't take only compassion. It takes, like I said, the poverty is huge, and we all have to hold Absolutely. hands. So if I've been rescued from yeah. poverty, mine is not to just come and live my life and forget about. Yeah. It. How do I go back? How can I go back and be and be also part of the change? you know and so mine is to yeah. go back and i started a mentorship program in kenya where i'm trying to help some kenyans to mentor because like i didn't have mentorship i didn't even know what it was going to be and so creating that mentorship thing for the kids in growing up in my community it's something that i i needed so yeah. much and that's what i'm creating and apart from that through music that i do, i'm doing i'm challenging africans to give back to africa I don't want us to be in a place where we're just sitting back and waiting for others to come and help us from poverty. Wow. Because you know what the Bible says that when you give it, it shall come back to you. So if we're always waiting to receive, yeah. then that means we'll only be receiving, but we're not going to be blessed. The Bible doesn't say that you're going to get anything. Right. And so mine is also to challenge Africans. Hey, we can do this as well. Let's join the fight for poverty. Do whatever you can. The little that you can, is going to when we bring them all together it's going to mean something so yeah i'm i'm grateful to be part of uh, of the of the change as well yeah and you've got two ch- children yes i have two little girls one is just turned 6 uh, her name is Shiloh. she, she turned 6 uh, april 24th the other one is Sage, who is 3 turning 4 in july 10th so yeah they are that's beautiful they're growing that's amazing yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for just being willing to share your story and talk about just the the beauty of what Compassion International did with your life and um, gave you hope. And did, did you ever connect like in real time, like in, in person with your sponsors? No, apparently, I, I don't know. Things have been hard for me. I've never been able to meet my sponsor. And I think Compassion have tried. They might have moved from their original. And I'm, oh, okay. I'm 42 years old and that's a long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, Life has moved on, but I usually say they did what they needed to do and uh, I hope we can meet them in heaven, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. That'll be a great day, won't it? That'll be an incredible connection. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I I love your story. I'm so grateful for your time and your willingness just to continue telling your story so that it can move the heart of people to, to learn how to love humanity, love God, and really just love people back to wholeness. So I, I'm so um, grateful for it. Thank you so well, much. Thanks for having us, Rita. You know, it takes yeah. all of us to do this. So thank you for sharing your platform That's with right. us and, you know, giving me an opportunity to share my story and show how God rescued me from poverty. So yeah, I appreciate that. Too. Yeah. That's awesome. Bless you, thank Jay. You. God bless you. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Rita Springer. Wonderful announcement to make. I have decided to partner with Compassion International. Many of you know what Compassion does. They're in over 30 countries, uh, just bringing hope and help to kids in poverty all over the world. And I just love that. As an adopted parent, I started sponsoring kids um, at a really young age, have always loved the encounter and the interaction with the letters that I was able to um, write my sponsored children, seeing them go from young ages all the way out of the program. And what uh, just what a difference in my life it made to know that the little that we could do um, helped them actually uh, be educated, be fed, um, get uniforms and Uh, go off to college, some of them. So I'm partnering with Compassion because I believe in them. I believe in what they're doing for people. And I'm asking those of you to just join me in this call. If you visit compassion.com slash Rita, it'll show you how you can choose a child and you can sponsor and take a journey with a child in poverty and help be uh, the hope and the healing that some of these kids need.